0: Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries The Latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. This week, we're discussing arguably the most anticipated movie of the year. We're talking Matt Reeves' The Batman. And joining me on the other line, straight from the Gotham police department sewage department i don't know what what do you think is like the most kind of like unusual benign job in like the gotham uh city government of just is you know sees all of the like crime and kind of weird stuff that happens throughout the city and it's just like man this is just another tuesday for me but has like the most benign job in 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 the world johnny sobcheck by the way everyone
1: Yes. Yeah. I don't know if there is a benign job in Gotham City. I think you'd be hard pressed to uh, to find one. But uh, I just
0: want to know what like the street cleaners job is like. That's that's the meta. That's the the job title I was reaching for was just like, what's what's the most kind of like sanitation? Boring, yeah, like boring job you could be doing that also like every now and then you see something like really weird and you're just like shrug and move on with your day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Jesse, for having me on again. I'm excited to talk the Batman. Last time I was on, we were talking Dune uh, yes. back in October. And th- these have really been my two most anticipated films of the uh, the last few years. So uh, very excited to talk about this one. Um, I am a huge Batman fan. Grew up with Batman. Dark Knight trilogy was like pretty formative for me. Um, and this, I would say for a lot of people is the most anticipated film of the year. It was for me just because I do have that background, like with the character, I've always been more of a DC comics, uh, fan more than leaning towards that more than Marvel, even though I do really like the MCU, um, overall and, and Matt Reeves, I'm a big fan of his work as well as Robert Pattinson and the cast and crew on this one is just. Like had me unbelievably stoked from Greg Frazier, Michael Giacchino um, and then a lot of uh, some hangovers from uh what Matt Reeves did with the Planet of the Apes trilogy, like James Chinlan doing production design and some other uh people just all around pretty much exactly what I would want out of one of these movies, especially coming off of the Ben Affleck iteration where initially he was supposed to write and direct this. Movie. That's right,
0: yeah. Um, I, I, I like you, I'm a huge batman fan or or like as a kid i would say batman was probably the superhero i gravitated the most to i'm i'm just curious as someone who is also a big fan of this character what do you think it is about batman that has made him endure for so long because i i think it's not just that this is a superhero that keeps getting republished in comic books and obviously there's been numerous movies as we're now kind of still in this major comic book boom moment in the movies but it feels like batman has in particular remained kind of a central piece of the culture and a character that a large swath of people from around the world really gravitate to and there's like that one statistic or saying that like more people recognize batman and superman as characters than even like jesus or like certain american presidents like like what do you think it is because i think it's not just that like this is a character that like continues through the comics but like is one of the central go-to kind of like top of the mountain comic book characters for interpretation for several decades at this point
1: Yeah, you're you're spot on there. I mean, there there's so many different things I feel like we could point to. I I mean, just on a base level, Batman is cool. He's dark, he's brooding, moody. He's very different from, you know, uh, we say typical superhero, which whatever that means to you at this point, uh, at this cultural uh, moment, we've reached where superheroes are so integral uh, to film, to television. I think that he still is, when you think of a hero or superhero, they're usually like bright colors, a Spider-Man, maybe a Wonder Woman or a Superman. Um, You know, they have a certain persona or attitude to them. Whereas Batman, you know, across all different iterations, some more light than others, of course, at his core, I think when we think about him, we do think of that kind of billionaire, but behind the scenes, you know, playboy, but behind the scenes brooding and he has this dark history to him and a lot of his villains are very dark as well and and speaking of his villains, they're a lot of them are just as arguably as iconic as he is for, you know, like Joker for example, who got his own movie without Batman whatsoever and made a billion dollars despite being rated R. That just speaks to the power of Batman um and and the the cultural kind of background um from Jack Nicholson who is one of the absolute biggest stars ever at the time when Batman 89 came out, um, you know, playing Joker and, and Michael Keaton you know, opposite him as Batman. Um, and that was one of the biggest movies ever released, uh, at the time, at least. And then all the way through to the dark Knight trilogy, which again was kind of a watershed moment, I feel, uh, especially with Heath Ledger, uh, as, as Joker and, and everything in between the Joel Schumacher films. And, you know, you have Lego Batman, uh, the movie and the games and, you know speaking of games you have the arkham games and and i just feel like the you know a lot of it could i think could be pointed to dc and even warner brothers the way they've kind of played custodian to the character i feel like has been pretty you know they've certainly made plenty of mistakes along the way um but i feel like just the evolution has been very interesting to watch across all all media but i think film you know he's been pretty much the biggest and most popular more than any other. I think he's had more movies than any other superhero um, at this point. So him and Spider Man are like the go to, and and even when they're bad, you know, a quote unquote, we we'll look at the Joel Schumacher movies for example. They're still very memorable. They're still like almost like iconic in their own way. Um, you know, Bat nipples and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mister Freeze and and all these other things. So. um it's It's really interesting that he does have this ability to endure through even even situations like that where it is kind of like a flop or just a, a misfire.
0: Yeah, there is um, an interview with Christopher Nolan where he, I believe it's on like the Batman Begins DVD or something like that. But, but he mentions kind of the head of DC at the time kind of telling him and David S. Goyer, who helped write that movie, that one of the reasons Batman has been able to endure for so long is it's, it's a character that even more than someone like Superman kind of is open to so many interpretations kind of in the comics and especially even in the movies. Um, And I, I think it's no surprise that it has been a, a character and a property that has attracted some very big name directors from Tim Burton to Christopher Nolan. I'm, I'm curious of all the different kind of iterations of Batman that have come in onto the big screen. Is there one that you maybe gravitate towards a bit more? I would I would assume you talking about the Nolan movies in particular, like those being a really big uh, <laughs> cultural moment for you and, and, yeah. and a really big gateway into movies that maybe that's kind of your your favorite of this bunch, but.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's a great point um you know i grew up just wearing out those vhs tapes from the tim burt movies from even the, <laughs> even the even the joel schumacher movies i didn't know at the time that they weren't really necessarily good quote unquote
0: i'll admit i didn't like those at at the time either i mean i i think joel schumacher gets some some shit for those movies that maybe he didn't totally deserve while also thinking they're kind of bad. Like, like the idea of people not liking them because they're campy, I think is silly, but um, like I had not seen forever. I think since I was a kid and since that's the other like Riddler one, that's the one I rewatched before um this new one came out and, and think like Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as two face are really, really fun in that movie and are kind of, meeting the right level of energy but then like kilmer in that role I, i'm curious did you see the kilmer documentary that came out last year i i did not
1: get uh get around to watching that one no
0: so there's a section in there where he talks about how he like really hated being in the Batman movie of like was really excited to do it because it's this iconic character and he loved it as a kid. And then just like really hating the experience and being in that suit all day and not feeling like he could do the kind of performance he wished And you can kind of see that now in hindsight of like he seems really bored in that movie and that's kind of the biggest problem with it. So um I'm I'm even with you of like I'm not. I'm I'm open to people reclaiming the Schumacher movies now as these kind of camp classics. Um that, you know, if you got like a certain level of intoxication in you, then maybe you can you can enjoy them as this sort of like fun kind of drag uh yeah superhero thing, but while also being like, no, th- those movies got a lot of problems in it. In particular, probably like the two most boring. Batman between yes the for sure. Clooney that we've arguably ever had but uh I'm I'm with you I wore out the the Burton tapes constantly as a kid we had those on VHS in my house yeah those I you know I can still picture
1: the you know the iconic yellow and black logo like on the mm-hmm. on the front of the VHS and then you have Catwoman and Penguin and, and Batman on the other one um and so yeah those were those were really big for me as a kid but it was really the Dark Knight. You know how every middle-aged white guy that's in film he just recounts how it was like when he was sitting in the theater watching star wars for the first time and and uh what that was like and how that changed his life well for me as another i'm not middle-aged at this point but as a white guy who's getting up there the dark knight for me uh you know what is it coming up on 14 years ago now like i was 11. Um, I was probably like the perfect age as far as like to, to get hit with like a strike of lightning uh, with regards to like movie making and a blockbuster filmmaking, like of that ilk. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really kind of like a genuinely life changing thing. Cause I had loved movies up to that point, but I feel like seeing that on the big screen, midnight release with a packed house, like, and I had been a Batman fan as long as I could remember. It was just seeing something like, so different that was so entertaining, but also like there was like an like an artfulness to it as well that maybe I hadn't really registered at least in, in previous films, um, just because of my age or or what what have you. But um I would so yeah the the that trilogy that but that film in particular was really what has stuck with me the most and I would say The Dark Knight um and and that trilogy and that iteration. And I love Christopher Nolan as well as a filmmaker and and his you know, some films more than others, but g- generally speaking, his aesthetic and his like methodology to filmmaking is something I really appreciate. Um, and that, so that was kind of my, my watermark for what Batman on film should be like, or, or what can it, what it can be. Um, at least until this, this past week, I would say.
0: Yeah. So maybe this is a time for us to kind of bridge into the the new one i w- I would definitely agree with you i'm a bit older than you i was i think a teenager when the the nolan movies were coming out but you know i i was even having a, a conversation after i left the the press screening for this the new matt reeves one with robert pattinson and was talking with uh, a friend of mine who was also came here in atlanta and we just kind of talked afterwards i i kind of mentioned to him you know i don't know that we're ever going to fully i think recapture the sort of like electricity of especially seeing dark night like in the theater that opening weekend of however you think that movie has aged there's just something about the lightning in a bottle effect of the heath ledger performance also coupled with the idea of this is still pretty early on of like you have kind of the Raimi Spider-Man movies and obviously there's the Batman movies in the nineties and the Superman movies in the eighties, but superheroes haven't fully taken over the movie culture yet. And there was something a bit just so electrifying about like, Oh, I did not know that you could do this with a comic book character. The idea of like a prestige comic book movie was something that was kind of unexplored and that no one had really attempted. And there was sort of, an electricity in the culture of, Oh, I didn't know that you could do a Batman movie like this, or could do a superhero story that kind of grappled with some more adult themes and had that level of um, talent in front of and behind the camera, which is not to say anything about any of those other movies I mentioned. um, But the idea of doing a movie like this with a little bit of higher ambition beyond being fun blockbuster entertainment and, well, I, I didn't quite get that same electricity from the new one. I still really like it. And I think we're going to agree on a lot of stuff about the the new Matt Reeves one. But of seeing it as another movie in this lineage of comic book movies that have kind of chased after that that Dark Knight prestige aspect. That even Nolan, I don't think, was able to fully recapture with like his third Batman movie that he did. But now, no, you know, I think, I think it's off <laughs> a trend of movies, whether it be Logan or I mean, as much as I really dislike the Zack Snyder movies, I think something like Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel is reaching for this level of importance. Um, and, you know, the Todd Phillips Joker movie being another example, the idea of kind of the prestige comic book movie that I feel like this new Batman is also firmly trying to cement itself at so I'm I'm curious what you think about kind of that idea and now you know you have the the sort of shared universe kind of more pop comic book movies that Marvel tries to put out but then now there's been since Dark Knight this trend of comic book movies with at least like a aspiration to be Important and a bit more weighty than, um, you know, like a Spider-Man Homecoming or something like that. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, it it's very interesting because all along, what I've been saying, again, as someone who has, I've been following Matt Reeves. Speaking of The Dark Knight in two thousand eight, seeing that opening opening night, I saw Cloverfield opening night in two thousand eight, and then I saw it again the next night because my brother and I loved it so much. That was the first film I ever saw more than once in
0: theaters. Wow, I had I, I, similar experience of maybe not opening night, but going into that knowing nothing and being just. Shug. Yeah, just kind of shook and a bit like anxious. I think I was probably like four, 13 or 14 when that came out and just something big, like really upsetting about like not knowing where that movie was going or us going in and like hearing rumors of like. So apparently it's Blair Witch meets Godzilla, but like no one knew anything about it. And then seeing it that opening weekend um, was was another like really cool experience that I don't I don't know that you could recapture. That's probably like the very end of like not knowing anything about a movie and like that secretive of marketing
1: yeah that i mean yeah you couldn't really do that the closest thing today of doing that would be like randomly dropping something on netflix which is almost what they did with cloverfield paradox uh to far less returns i would say um but like yeah so matt reeves is someone again planet of the apes i love both of those films um probably as much if not more than anyone i know and i think that he does have a very It's interesting because he comes from the same you know talking about groupings of 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 like talent he went to film school with the likes of like jj abrams and like michael bay and uh you know zack snyder i think as well so it's like he does come in and when you hear jj abrams and zack snyder nowadays you're not thinking like oh i really want to see this guy tackle a franchise that i care about um because we can see where that that leads but with the Plan of the Apes, I think he did such a fantastic job taking over with the second film and then escalating where that story went and what the kind of themes were and the character development and, and everything and the technical crafts as well. So knowing what he was going to bring to this was very exciting. And I think that you are right in saying that it is aiming for something more. And when I say something more, I mean more than what we are getting on a typical basis with blockbusters nowadays, and especially Mm -hmm. with comic book movies or superhero movies. Um, We're talking about a a landscape where four MCU movies are released a year. Um, And it's uh, it's such a far cry from anything like that. It's it is similar. Again, we're talking about, um, you know, my anticipation for this and Dune. Like Dune was aiming to do something in that kind of space opera big budget sci-fi that really only star Wars has kind of owned in the last, you know, you know, half decade or so. Mm-hmm. And it, but it was aiming to do something just so like elevated and, and more like, you know, artful. I mean, you had Denny Villeneuve, right. And I think Matt Reeves in a similar vein was trying to do something that was trying to provide something fresh to audiences and something that they, uh, you know, might be shocked by in some regards, whether it's the tone, the look of the film, uh, the length of the film like the the themes that it kind of digs into it's not by like it's just i mean we're on the heels of no way home um which is just such a wildly different experience in like film like top to bottom um it's it is kind of shocking but also to your point about the prestige element of it or like going for that kind of high higher mark this is I mean, the Dark Knight got eight Oscar nominations, right? And it it like basically caused them to go ahead and open up the best picture field. And then Joker went ahead and got like 11 Oscar nominations. Um, So this, I don't think, it's not necessarily like aiming for that, but it is like, it is still very much going for something that is elevated, but not so, like talking about the tone, for example. Mm -hmm. I think that it is, the the Nolan films are by and large, like fairly serious or grounded or, or realistic. This is also going for like a, a sense of realism and groundedness, but it still feels like elevated or like hype. There's like a hyper reality to it. There's a um, level of seriousness, but also to me, this is funnier than like any of the dark Knight movies. Like I thought that this, this is so goofy in some ways, that like really works. Like the Penguin would never exist in the Dark Knight trilogy. The, the Penguin that we have in
0: this movie. No, though I would argue whether intentional or not, Bane is like hilarious. <laughs> <I> <laughs> okay, that is that is. I fair, can't yeah. watch that movie without like just like busting up laughing throughout it. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. But um, and I'm not necessarily someone who like loves. That's probably my least favorite of the the, yeah. the movies but bane has endured as being really really funny whether intentional or not
1: <laughs> yeah um that is a movie that i don't think is like a particularly good um <laughs> so like no. that that's not one unfortunately it does kind of like go out with a bit of a whimper uh but yeah this is this is like it's not an origin like batman begins but it is most like Batman. it's like almost like an amalgamation if we're talking like films like between batman begins like the dark knight as far as like there's like kind of this epic like kind of scope to it because it's encapsulating like all of gotham there's so many different characters um it's a you know it's certainly a long runtime
0: yeah i think i i mentioned so on like last week's episode daniel feingold who is the guest there him and i had were kind of like fresh from seeing the the movie at a press screening and knew that the embargo was going to lift soon so gave like some early thoughts and i i think just to kind of piggyback off some of the stuff you said like i i think what i mentioned finding so refreshing is the movie's willingness to just sort of be a movie and be kind of untethered by the corporate responsibilities that often come with comic book movies like this like this i'm sure this movie will make a gigantic sum of money and they will be trying to greenlight as many sequels as possible they already have like two tv shows in the works that are spinoffs of this but i enjoyed that it was just sort of willing to be its own self-contained movie i enjoyed that I don't have to see the poor Wayne family get gunned down for the upteenth time. I And trusting the audience to just know, like, you know what Batman is. We don't need to do the leg room to explain to you why is he Batman? How did he become Batman? Not have to sort of hold your hand and explain to you who Catwoman is, who the Penguin is. I mean, I think you could watch this and, like, not know the penguin is a character, but not be confused by Colin Farrell as the penguin's place in the movie. If that makes any sense, it's not, it's not a movie that is so narrowly focused for the fans that it, it leaves you a bit confused by the mythology, but also understands that so much of Batman mythology and especially so many of the villains and side characters are already pretty well known by like a general audience. And matt reeves just saying i just want to do a cool batman story and do this whole self-contained movie um and also just kind of like to tie into a bit of what you said to dune like i normally don't want to jerk off a corporation like this but (laughs) (laughs) like did did think it was funny of like i i forget who or where i saw this on twitter but for all the faults that weren't and misguided decisions that warner brothers has kind of made in recent years like do give them credit for in the last year including this new batman movie and dune and the suicide squad movie and even matrix resurrections which is a really divisive really silly movie that i had a great time with (laughs) like they may they released the four franchise blockbusters that felt like they had a clear point of view and a clear visual aesthetic whether you like them or not and that being at least refreshing at a time when like you know i i enjoy a good marvel movie every now and then but you know we lament so many times on the show i feel like i i lament with so many guests about kind of the boring homogenization of a certain like, I call it the Atlanta aesthetic of just like, it just looks like someone shot it in like a parking lot here in town. And <laughs> I I just enjoyed kind of the, the gross guzziness of this movie. And, and obviously what Greg Frazier is, is able to achieve with the, the cinematography and give it this very like tactile, claustrophobic, distorted, rain soaked aesthetic that that is both feels very true to kind of a a hard boiled detective movie, but just like it looks like a movie. They're at least making a choice, and I enjoyed finally. I mean, not finally, because it was only like what, a month or two ago since the Matrix movie. But you know, I've enjoyed and feel sometimes I come off a little too hard on blockbusters, but it's only because like, if I'm going to see a blockbuster, like I want to see the money you spent on screen. Mm. And I guess I'm doing a long winded way of saying I enjoyed that this Batman movie Reeves and Greg Frazier, and clearly everyone involved put the effort into, to give this a visual aesthetic and to have this movie have a specific point of view. And it didn't feel like Warner brothers saying like, Shit, it's been a while. We need a Batman movie. Um, Who can get one thrown together really quickly so we can fill this in our portfolio? This felt like, you know, we don't have to go through the whole how uh Matt Reeves got in this position, which it the Cliff Notes version basically sounds like he was, correct me if I'm wrong, like brought in to help with the Affleck version. And then Affleck was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. And so then that opens the door to Reeves to just be able to say, hey, I have this really cool idea for a Batman movie that I've been kind of carrying around in my back pocket, and if you want to do this, like, this would be my take on it. And Warner Brothers just kind of shrugged and was just like, sure, go ahead. What do you need? And that's exciting. That's that's what I want out of a blockbuster. I want it to feel like it it comes from someone's point of view. I want it to feel filmmaker-driven. I want it to have aesthetics and a vibe and a visual sensibility, and I got that here, and that's it sucks that that's rare to say for most blockbusters these days, but i I applaud that and think that's part of the enthusiasm people have for this movie,
1: yeah, absolutely, and just to even like flesh out that anecdote even a little bit more with regards to what he's kind of said about it, Matt Reeves was approached yeah to take over for Ben Affleck directing his his Batman movie and he came in, he read the script and he described it as like James Bondian, like a lot of action, a lot of tie-ins with other, other DC characters and things like that. Um, And he said, I'm, but I'm not really interested in doing that. And, And so they're like, well, what would you be interested in doing? And he's like, well, honestly, he's working on planet of the apes at the time. He's like, I, I have like five more months to do on this movie. Like, I can't even think about writing or like coming up with even a premise right now. And they were like, well, okay, we'll wait. We'll like figure out what, like, we'll just wait for you. And then we'll, we'll do it. Cause we really want to do this with you. So that's pretty amazing that they did have that. And then of course, later on Ben Affleck's like, okay, I'm, I'm piecing out. Um, and then Robert Pattinson of course joins the fray. So I think that, yeah, it is pretty awesome how that kind of just, they were able to take that initiative and and really be patient with it not force like a deadline on, on the creators. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's how you kind of get great art is you don't make it like a, Committee process, you don't do it um you know through those kind of channels, and I think you again, as you've pointed out, the result of that is on screen and it it looks amazing um it's it's i think it is a genuinely like engaging like plot, and I was really on the edge of my seat for a lot of this movie. Um, with regards to both the mystery elements, which are more of like a slow burn, like that hard boiled like detective style, as well as like the action sequences, which I think are really strong and filmed well and, and the effects are fantastic. And um beginning to end for such a long movie, this one I mean I, I followed it so closely. I-, I tweeted this the other day, I followed it so closely for so long, watched everything that was released, and I was still surprised by so much of where this went and how it ended up. Um going and and i was just really pleased with it like i had very high expectations as you know and i would say that they were exceeded in in more than a couple ways
0: so let's maybe throw up a, a a spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen it and we can talk more in depth about the cast members and about some of the themes and ideas that that reeves is tackling with this movie um let's first just discuss Pattinson and who I I think has emerged as one of my favorite actors it's it's weird that him and Colin Farrell are in this movie because they both fit this like sweet spot for a kind of actor and movie star that I really like which is um I kind of came to this realization watching the Colin Farrell hot ones which if no one has seen that is so funny if you just want to see a charismatic Irish guy just like swearing and clearly like Having a really tough time taking down some hot wings. But, you know, both of them fitting this bill of movie stars with kind of like matinee idol good looks, but are clearly people who are into doing like really weird stuff in terms of their performances. And Hollywood for a long time wanted to make them these like straight laced, good looking leading men. And they just kind of want to be weird character actors. And. I'm curious where you think Pattinson's interpretation of the Batman character falls in line with some of the other interpretations that actors have given. I, I would say prior to this, the two, I think, kind of signature Bruce Wayne Batman performances were Keaton and Bale. Would Would you say that's, that's yeah. pretty? Yeah. Like, Keaton, I feel like his take is sort of like, this guy's weird. Like, <laughs> which is like a stroke of genius in the casting that i don't think i think only burton probably realized at the time which is you put michael keaton in there he knows how to work the suit but also when you see him as bruce wayne you're a little like i don't know this this tracks this seems like a guy who would dress up like a bat and like run around in the city at night he just sort of seems like a really weird quirky guy who's into strange stuff and the Bale approach. Bale, I think, almost does the best at Bruce Wayne because his take is basically just Bruce Wayne is a facade. It's like, it's it's Patrick Bateman. It's Bruce. Bruce Wayne in real life is this, like, samurai monk. But when he's out in the world, he's putting on this performance of this kind of blowhard, dim-witted, rich person. And Pattinson, I think, makes the interesting choice of there is no bruce wayne or bruce bruce wayne is batman and that i know that sounds silly i'm sure to our listeners but of like he's a vampire he's this like grungy emo kurt cobain looking guy who only leaves the mansion when he's going out and putting on this bat suit and beating up criminals at night. And otherwise he's just kind of this recluse. No one sees from him. He just sort of sleeps through the day. He doesn't even interact with the business probably has a bit of a death wish. And of just like, this is just, it's almost the Keaton performance, but it's beyond Keaton saying, this guy's maybe has some weird habits and Pattinson taking it to this, like, no, this is like a really mentally unwell person (laughs) who is basically a full on vampire at this point. And this has consumed his life and there, there's no even engaging with the Bruce Wayne aspect of it. I I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts of uh, Pattinson in this role were as well.
1: So that's a. Those are really great points. I mean, the way you summed up each of the those iterations for Bruce Wayne. Now we'll have to talk about Batman, like kind of separately with with regards to at least Bale and Keaton. But mm-hmm. that is. So it is a choice. So Pattinson is, is of course engaging with that decision, and, and it, he's playing it to perfection. But Reeves, you know, it's in the script. It's like built into the right, story right. where th- this guy is a you know a rock star recluse, as Matt Reeves kind of painted it, where he is so fundamentally broken and has yet to, he's like in a state of arrested development, right? So he's not overcome this emotional uh, distress and this damage caused by the death of his parents and this you know, seemingly very lonely kind of shelter, like upbringing um, where he was basically raised by Alfred um, and other like associates of his parents potentially. And he is there is no you're right in saying there is no distinction between bruce and batman because at this point and as the film really dives into in, in a couple of key scenes he you know alfred tells him you need to keep up appearances you need to meet with these people you need to do you know you need to do your your part um in the company in the public eye for the community and he do, he just doesn't care he says that flat out and he is so hell-bent and focused and it's like an animalistic, instinctual uh, like drive to be Batman and not care about anything else. And one of my absolute favorite elements of this story and, and the way that they took that route is that through this story and by the end of it, he comes to the realization that I can't, first off, as Batman, I can't do things the way I've been doing them. I have to change fundamentally in some way. But also, Bruce, I can't, as a person, I can't continue in this way publicly, you know, for the good of like Gotham as a whole um, in that role, I need to change. And I think that is something that's going to be very interesting and exciting to see um, particularly from Pattinson as a performer is the way he inhabits that persona that we saw from Christian Bale, especially as that playboy, as someone that goes out to galas and and other things and has to, to put on that face. I think Pattinson could have a lot of fun with that. Um, I think that he has the, the chops of course, to, to nail that. And uh, seeing that that dichotomy and that differentiation that is not present in this movie, but it's not present for a good reason. And it's making a point. And there's that scene, you know, Alfred, again, he's telling him um, there's that scene in the hospital room towards the end where they're kind of like having a heart to heart. And he's talking about, you know, I failed. You know, I couldn't be a father to you. I wasn't, you know, uh, successful in trying to bridge that gap, make that emotional connection. And then it ends with them holding hands and and him telling him, you know, how he really feels. And I, I I really loved that scene uh between those two. And I thought that again it tees up um for their um emotional connection to really strengthen and for the relationship to flourish like in the next film potentially. Um because in this movie, A, Alfred isn't in it very much. And no. B, when he is in it, they are very much at odds and kind of almost, you know, in this like rough patch. Um, that has probably been for most of his life, potentially. It might not even just be a rough patch. It might just be a rough life that uh, that they're kind of engaged in with this relationship. But I really like, I think that that way that that relationship is going to change will be reflected in the way that Bruce will act in public with regards to the company and maybe other other ways. But yeah, with regards to Bruce, that is really, um, as you summed up, a good... It is, it is new, it's fresh, and I like it, and I think it gives a lot of room to grow.
0: Yeah, and, and I think just another interesting observation about Pattinson in this role is I think he probably does the best job of any actor even I think more than Keaton in terms of like working the suit if that makes sense oh no question I think also part of it is is a testament to the the costume design and the sort of makeshift quality of it but You you know, it's a it's a bat suit in which like the the what are the weird spikes that come out of his arms are basically just like he's like duct taped knives to the to his arm and like the bat suit looks like this weird thing he just made in his garage. Even the cowl looks like something you could just pick up at a Halloween store. But I think this suit really more than any other suit that any actor has worn in this role really highlights Pattinson's eyes. And I thought it was interesting. David Sims review in the Atlantic really pointed out, like a lot of the acting in the bat suit is a lot of pouting and a lot of like really expressing with your, that sort of lower jaw that is exposed and Pattinson doing a great job at that. But I, I think the thing I kept thinking of watching it was just his eyes And I think it's such a clear choice with Reeves and, and Jacqueline Duran, who I believe did the costumes and giving Pattinson the, the sort of, I think it was a clear decision to like focus on his eyes. Um, And I think he's doing a lot of acting and a lot of expressing through his eyes and was just sort of impressed that he's, I think he's able to do the most in the suit than, any other actor has. I mean, part of the reason I didn't necessarily mention like Keaton in the suit or Bale in the suit is I feel like traditionally the actors get to sort of do their thing. Most like Bruce Wayne is where you sort of get to put your little spin on the character of like the suit is doing most of the acting. But since Pattinson is largely in the suit here, I think they've designed the suit to let him emote a lot through it and act a lot with his eyes, which I I thought was such a fascinating choice and think he sort of, conveys a lot just through sort of glances and kind of stares and and really i i would love to hear an interview with him where he talks about like there there's that line with um ron perlman talking about like when he was doing the hellboy movies like you almost have to overact and right. act through all that makeup and i'm sure he's doing a lot of that with this suit of like really having to enunciate and sort of over exaggerate the eyes and sort of how his jaw hangs and how it clinches and stuff like that in order to convey all this emotion and have it be so crystal clear while he's also being this very like stiff, intimidating figure.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, really great points all around there. There have been several like comments or interviews where they do talk about that. I mean, first things first, Robert Pattinson is, I think fantastic in this role as Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite comic book movie performances uh, by far. And I think the highest compliment I can offer him specifically um, is in all the other iterations of Batman, it's Michael Keaton as Batman, like his, his little iteration of it. And Christian Bale is doing his very grounded, realistic version of it. And in this, I never thought of it. He is in it so much. He is in the suit so much and Batman is present so much. I never thought... This, this is Pattinson as Batman. This is Robert Pattinson doing his spin on Batman. And it, uh, part of this can be attributed to the writing as well, but a lot of it is on the performance. I just thought, that's Batman. Like, this is Batman that we have not really seen before in, in a live-action film. Um, I was just so blown away by everything in this movie with that character. Um, and I think there have been, like I said, those interviews or comments where they talked about that, actually, the acting in the mask and he said i love this little uh, interaction where he said um robert pattinson he was doing a lot of takes matt reeves was telling him to do more do more and robert was getting frustrated and he was so confused he was like i he he said in the interview he said i thought matt was just totally wrong like i thought he was really on the like on the wrong track for what like the performance should be and so matt finally was like after so many takes and still not getting it he was like come come take a look and they they were he was showing him the playback and Rob was like, Oh, he was like, he was, he was like, I was so wrong and like so far off and, and Matt was right. And you do have to really overact. And there's so much more uh, the intensity that you have to add to the eyes and just different little movements. Um, So that is, that is really interesting. And the, I mean, the eyes are in good time. um, You know, Ro- uh, Matt Reeves said that he saw good time and that was what made him think Robert Pattinson can play Batman. And he said specifically in Good Time, it was the eyes, just the intensity in the eyes and what he was doing with his acting there is what really led him to think that he would be a perfect choice. And I think that that was 100% spot on.
0: Well, let's run through some of the other major cast members playing major characters. Obviously have Zoe Kravitz playing Catwoman, Colin Farrell pretty much unrecognizable and like one of the best makeup jobs I've ever seen as the penguin Paul Dano as the Riddler which I think is probably the most fascinating one to for us to unpack because it is a a very specific very very different interpretation of this character than probably anything else that I've seen and Andy Circus obviously is Alfred um Right, John, which who I had forgotten was even in. There were so many people in this that I'd I'd forgotten he was in it. I would forgotten I'd forgotten Peter Sarsgaard was in this. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a fantastic cast. It's 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 a very 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 stacked cast. Um, do we maybe want to talk a little bit about about Dano as? Yeah, I, I would say Dano is not someone who typically gets a sort of bite at the apple and big franchise blockbuster entertainment um his version of the riddler in in this movie is basically a straight serial killer i mean he's modeled after the zodiac killer this is a, a spoiler but we have given you ample warning i thought one of the more impressive and kind of genius strokes of this movie was to sort of have the reveal at the end be no he him and batman are two sides of the same coin and this pretty provocative idea of like batman inspired the riddler and the riddler is also this like online edge lord who has basically like through this conspiracy that he is trying to reveal through these these murders has recruited his own following of people who want to commit acts of terrorism in his name and to sort of dismantle the institutions in gotham which you know, this movie was written in 2017, but I've seen plenty of people mention that. You know, that's a a very like hit home, hit close to home for many Americans in the last like couple of years after everything that's happened with you know the QAnon movement and all of that. But I, I don't know what it. What did you think about this reimagining of the Riddler, which I thought was very interesting and is so totally different than any other. All the other interpretations of the characters, like you know, Zoe Kravitz great as Catwoman, I thought very fun. Mm. Colin Farrell as the Penguin, maybe the person who's having the most fun in the entire movie. But everyone else, kind of in the movie, I think is is within the the sort of reins of kind of generally what we would expect from these characters. While the Riddler character is a totally different reimagining. That I remember seeing the tr- trailers and being like oh yeah, how is no one thought to just sort of reinterpret this character as basically a serial killer and do a like Batman serial killer movie? Um, and and again, I just thought it was so impressive where this movie takes the Batman and Riddler characters and having them finally meet and then realize Bruce having to realize, maybe I'm not having this very positive effect on the community. <laughs> maybe in fact, I'm inspiring people who are even more unstable than I am to do even more atrocious acts of violence and the arc of this movie being him having to realize Batman has to be something larger than, than me just sort of going out and punching out my rage at night. And I have to inspire people. I have to connect with the community. It can't just be a one man vigilante war on crime in the city. Yes, so I'm 100% with you there.
1: I think it is pretty ingenious Matt Reeves thinking, I want to do a detective story. Like so where can I take that? Like a murder mystery, like a serial killer. Well, there Matt, Batman has plenty of serial killers in his rogues gallery. You got mm-hmm. Zazz, you got Professor Pig, you got Calendar Man. But none of those, those are all pretty obscure. Now Riddler How can you integrate him? And then you have this idea of ciphers, and then the zodiac killer influence comes into play. And I think that was just so brilliantly kind of like built upon and expounded in this. Um, And we knew that in the marketing, right? We knew that pretty much from day one uh, when we got that first teaser uh, a year and a half, you know, I think almost two years ago. Um, And that was a very different uh, physical look to the Riddler. It was not a bowler hat and a question mark covered suit as some people on Twitter like a month or two ago were just very upset about suddenly. Um, I thought that it was a very interesting take on it and it was still like you're maintaining the riddles. You're maintaining that heightened intelligence and kind of setting Batman up on this path. Um, but to your point about the like where it leads in the third act. Um, so throughout the movie, Riddler was fairly what i expected he was doing the riddles he was getting inside batman's head i swear my jaw was on and off the floor throughout like the last 45 minutes or so of this movie because i couldn't believe where matt reeves was taking this character and the the comparisons he was drawing between not only batman and the riddler of course but also the riddler and you know our reality what we have seen over the last few years Um, You said QAnon. I mean, that's basically what's going on, right? He's on like the dark web. He has like these followers and they're talking about, um, I mean, we talked about, there was this uh, just absurd Joker, right? When Joker was coming out, there was this unbelievable swell of like fear or like, disdain from some like media where they were saying this movie is just too dark. It's too deranged. This is going to cause people to go out and, and shoot up movie theaters and things like that. Um Entertainment weekly refused to give Joker a, a rating because they thought it was just, it would be like authorizing people to go out and, and act like Joker. Um I'm amazed that we have not seen any like pushback or like outrage about this movie so far, because this to me felt way more incendiary than joker did um it was very very frightening and like eerie and disturbing in that scene and towards the end where riddler is revealing his plan he has these bombs going off and then there's this video where he's talking like you have seen or heard many times before these guys that go out and they do mass shootings or they do terrorist attacks and they have like this following or like this online presence where they conspire with others, they develop plans. Um, and these guys are talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to go shoot up this arena full of people uh, during this political uh, event, you know, the, the mayoral election. Um, I was just like, I couldn't believe that he was going there. Like that was just not what I was anticipating. Um, and it was very, I just thought it was so bold. And really, I think it really worked for me because up to that point, it's um, it's a murder mystery, and he's figuring out the riddles, and he's trying to get to the bottom of it and finding out who Riddler is, and he does all that. But then at this point, it takes it that one step further where it's it's now challenging Batman directly on a, a very base level, saying, look at what you've been doing. Look at what you've done, and look at what Riddler has done. And now he's confronting you and making you look at that. And he is like this dark... And I love the the build of this scene and how it's staged and everything because they are... It's not like in the dark night where they're sitting in the same room and they're just mm-hmm. across the table from one another. There's this divide, this, this window between them. And it is like a mirror. It's creating this mirror literally between them um, where you're seeing this, this parallel where with just a, as the Riddler says, a little focused violence, you go out there and you, you wear a mask and you, you take, you terrorize you know, citizens in the city look at what happens look what you can inspire and then there's this other fantastic moment apart from the riddler um this moment that really stuck out to me where after batman is able to stop the goons that are shooting up the arena they you know gordon asks like who are you to the last guy that batman almost beats to death and uh he says i'm vengeance and he's like smiling and batman he like hears that and he like looks over at him and bat Pattinson of course just his little his little turn and the way he moves his eyes like totally sells it but it's like this realization like really dawning on him that he has been at the start of the movie what does he say he says on vengeance when he's beating the shit out of these guys uh, on the the train platform um and so he's realizing I can't you know he says at the end I I really like the bookend of the narration by the way same Uh, and he says you know vengeance isn't going to fix the past. Like I can't act from this, this like base level of, of anger and and hate. I need to become, you know, a symbol of hope. I need to engage, as you said, like with the people um, and, and, and be more active in, in a different way. I just really loved how that kind of all resolved itself. And some people I've seen some critiques and, you know, if some people think the runtime is a little too long, if they think the pacing could be improved or some things could be cut out, I, you know, that's fine. Like that, you know, I, I, won't like get too uh, upset about that but for me I think the the length of this and where the third act goes some people said oh the third act is like not matching the other two acts like it's not really it doesn't feel like it fits and I totally disagree I think that this it is very different but I think it fits on a thematic level and where the trajectory was actually going we just might not have realized it until and I think it works even better on rewatch and I've seen it a couple times now um where just it all kind of falls into place and i think really rounds it out well for all the characters
0: yeah i definitely really liked that and and agree with you of of really admiring it where you realize what the full arc of the story and and the full set of ideas that reeves has kind of been sort of like al- almost like little clues that you're not fully realizing until it gets exactly to that that final moment and seeing like oh it's it's we've been laying the breadcrumbs to this being the arc of the movie and this having to be about this question of whether or not like batman's rage-filled vigilante quest maybe maybe isn't the best thing and and you know questioning that that idea and and offering up a hopeful trajectory for bruce to move and like i almost think like going back to like whether this movie will have sequels which i'm sure it will like even if this was the only one like i i would buy that as the movie ends with maybe bruce being like you know what maybe i shouldn't be batman and i should be bruce wayne and should like use my money to help with like philanthropy and stuff like that and sort of rebuilding our institutions even though that's not gonna happen they're gonna make like eight more batman movies and he's gonna fight like the joker and killer croc and and whatnot um you know, the one, I guess, criticism I will give against the movie, I, I have been telling a few people I felt it kind of has a little bit of a uh, Return of the King problem, wh- which which is when I say, like, the movie kind of has, like, five endings, and I almost feel like the the sort of perfect best ending of the movie is it cutting off with him on the roof of that like Madison Square Garden style basketball arena and sort of with the narration and the Nirvana song and him like lifting those people into the the medical helicopter um and and that sort of being like the full kind of final statement of the movie but then we get like four more scenes kind of like in Return of the King like whenever you think the movie's actually ending that it's like well one more scene we got to say bye to someone else um but but pretty much agree with you like i i think for the most part this is a 3 hour movie that until maybe those like last 10 15 minutes um or 15 20 minutes i i would say i did not feel the run time at all um we got to wrap up soon but there's still a lot to talk about any any last performances or scenes or things you want to point out i just have to give another shout out to colin farrell basically as i tweeted playing a a garbage pail kid who like walks (laughs) around like a soprano's supporting character he's he's just he is again talking about the, the
1: tone of the film i thought there was so much people have talked about how dark this movie is how serious it is and there is a lot of that but i think that this again i think this might be the funniest batman movie just because between the penguins presence where Colin Farrell is definitely like hamming it up and going for broke, which is great mm-hmm. and really does work. I think that the banter between Batman and Gordon is fantastic and the best it's ever been. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought that really worked. And then, of course there's some great moments as well um, with uh, Selena and Bruce or, or Batman. It's interesting in this cause this is the first time in a movie, a live action movie where we have the Bruce and Selena together, but it's only as Catwoman, or at least Batman and, and Selena or Batman and Catwoman, he's never Bruce with her. She, and he, she, at least to our knowledge, doesn't know that it's Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really
0: interesting and and, and pretty cool. Um, yeah. They have great chemistry together. I mean, I, I almost just was in my seat kind of like banging the chairs, like kiss, kiss, kiss. Uh, And, and, you know, I, I really liked Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, but I will say I was glad to have, batman and catwoman with at least some chemistry because i will say one of the problems i think i have with that last nolan movie is as as fun as anne hathaway is having she really has no chemistry with um christian bale even even in terms of just like general banter um and was glad that this at least kravitz and pattinson is at least like a step back to one of my favorite batman movies which is just batman returns which just has this like Crazy kinky energy between Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton that is just like so electrifying to watch. Um, that's a really weird movie if no one has seen that recently. It's wild we marketed that the children in the early nineties.
1: It is really, it is a really weird movie. It's it's a great movie though. Uh, yeah, I love yeah, I it. Yeah, it. Uh, but uh, yeah. So I think bringing yes, yeah, certainly Matt Reeves had no hesitancy or shyness bringing some sexuality and and some heat back to to blockbusters, back to uh, superhero movies. And I think it was the right amount. I think their relationship we need, you know, touching on that a little bit more is one of the focal points of the film. And she was focused on a lot in the marketing. This is just as much really a, as, as it is a Batman year two movie. It's like a Catwoman origin film in some ways. And I thought that Zoe Kravitz really, really knocked it out of the park. She nailed just the right elements she's not as weird or as like unbelievable or like unrelatable as the Michelle Pfeiffer version, as much as i like that version. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's also not as like cold or I don't want to say unlikable, but Anne Hathaway, I I think she's, It's, it's an icy
0: performance. It is
1: icy. Yeah. And so it's hard to feel that connection between them. I think that's part of the chemistry issue and Christopher Nolan for all of his strengths uh, romance and sexuality is not necessarily one of them. No. Um, and I feel like that is not, in, not missing whatsoever in this one. And, and Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson in particular, I think personally have great chemistry. They look great together. And I think that they did just the right amount um, in the scenes that they do have.
0: Yeah. And and I think Pattinson even has like great chemistry with, but we haven't mentioned Jeffrey Wright as, as Gordon um, and who probably is in it. Like the second most. Yeah. Of all the cast members which you would not expect but i you know him and pattinson have a good sort of buddy cop rapport or just sort of relationship with each other um and and did you know getting back to like some of the humor of the movie like kind of cackle to myself like whenever batman sort of enters the room there is this kind of like awkwardness with the other police of just like you're just gonna like let this guy walk in here like yeah. at, at least it feels like reeves is a little considering how heightened and sort of tactile this movie is in its reality like he is at least leaning into the absurdity of like this guy dresses up like a who's this weirdo you're letting walk through our crime scene (laughs) um which just just delightful just really like whenever directors can lean into like the inherent just weirdness of of batman just as as a person in the world
1: yeah absolutely i think that's again where some of the humor comes into play is it's again we're talking about playing it straight playing it serious but there is this movie isn't afraid to be about batman to acknowledge that batman is weird he is it's kind of goofy but it it works and and they nailed those little moments of humor um i think that one of the funniest or like one of the first laughs of the movie probably is when he comes into the crime scene and then he's the one of the investigators is walking around the body and like, he like almost like bumps into Batman and like looks up at him and then Batman kind of like just moves uh, slowly out of the way while the guy skirts around him. Um, but yeah, right. One of the best compliments I can give to him real quick is just saying he does have quite a bit of like exposition to -hmm. deliver and to like really get us into like the context of the political landscape and things like that. And he delivers it like with a plum, like he is, he, he delivers it with a great, uh, you know, decent amount of charisma and with the perfect Jim Gordon, you know, if you're especially if you're familiar with like the comics and previous iterations, he just has that that right uh, tone to him. Well, also, I love just the banter again. He just he's always calling Batman. He just says, man, he's like, hey, man, he's like, we got to get out of here, man. I just really liked it. Just it's it's guys being dudes um, like that element to it. And I just that's another relationship again where I can't wait to see it like develop and grow in the next movies.
0: Well, Johnny, I'm sure we could go for another hour talking more more Batman, but uh, this was fun. Thank you for stopping by. We'll have you back again one of these days.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Whenever, man, I'm more than happy to uh, join. Thank you again for having me, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to
0: to agree. This movie's pretty damn pretty damn great, I would say. Yes. Congratulations, America! You have a a, a great blockbuster to return to movies with.